Just before I um, begin, I, I want to leave you with a question, which I hope by the end of the time that we've finished, you'll be able to answer. And the question I want to ask you right at the start is, have you worshipped Jesus today? Have you worshipped Jesus today? Have you worshipped? I'll leave that question with you. And we'll come back to that in a moment. Um, it's actually 70 years this month since the beginning of the Hebridean revival. 70 years. Wow, it's a long time, isn't it? That's the, the last recorded major revival to hit these shores in recent times. And between 1949 and 1952, thousands of men, women, and, and particularly young people, this is what is quite amazing, particularly young people, were transformed by this move of the Holy Spirit. Incredible stories of people going about their business and then just suddenly coming under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that they needed, they needed to connect with Jesus Christ. And weeping and tears and then finding as people kind of lead them to Jesus the, the sweet relief that they've been rescued from hell. Amazing stories. And it transformed those islands and touched many far and wide as a result of it. And Duncan Campbell, who was probably one of the, the, the big preachers in that revival, evangelist, witnessed this move of God. He then described revival as this, a community being saturated with God. A community being saturated with God. And it led him always to say, from now on, I am going to let the Holy Spirit lead. This week, a number of us have had the privilege again of connecting with the pastors of the church in Bogota, Aviva Miento Church. Uh, about 20 of us went to Cardiff to All Nations Church. It's a bizarre thing when you get welcome to your own church. Um, welcome to All Nations Church. It's a different All Nations Church. But we had quite an incredible time, again, just receiving from those um, wonderful servants of God and just being reminded of how when God moves, it changes nations. And we're believing again, not just believing, we're believing that God has released a river of the Holy Spirit. And I know we're not in that deep at the moment, but we're in. We're going deeper. And this river of revival is starting to flow. And so what we're doing with this series that we're calling In Revival Culture is that we're responding in obedience to what God is doing and just letting the word of God shape it. We're wanting to embrace what God is doing and, if you like, prepare our hearts and all the things that he's doing by saying, we want to be shaped by what you're doing right now, God. We're wanting you to come and saturate us. 
Some would say, well, revivals are only special moments that come occasionally. And church history might lead us to believe that. But I know, but I know, as I've been reading through the word of God, God's heart is that always his people and communities are always saturated with his presence. And I believe the reason that that doesn't continue is because we lose the plot. Not him. And I just know that this is a series that we respond to what he's doing. And we're saying, Lord, we're wanting to get ourselves into an alignment with you. This is our assignment. This is our assignment. This is our homework, if you like. It's not just our homework. It's our work work. It's our every work. Because we are lining ourselves up with what God is doing right now. And church, that's where we are. So I hope this is a good series. I don't want it to be just a nice series. I want it to be a life-transforming series where our hearts are transformed and we welcome the presence of God. So that's what we're doing. And today, I'm going to be talking about something which is really at the heart of what God brings when he brings revival. And it's a resurgence again in worship. It's about worship. I want to talk about worship in revival culture today. That's why I ask you the question, have you worshipped God today? Let's read some passages from the Bible. We're going to be a little bit here than there today, but that's okay because the Bible is powerful. It's anointed of the Holy Spirit. The Bible and the Spirit are not in conflict. They're in perfect harmony harmony, and harmony as well, whatever that is. Um, and so we're going to read some passages together. First of all, if you turn to um, Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. Now, in my Bible, the reason I brought it is because some of you still have one of these. Um, I, I, I do as well, just to show that I do have one. I, I also tend to use this because I'm vain and I don't like using my glasses. Um, but... <laughs> About halfway in the Bible, okay, Isaiah chapter 6, and just want to read to verse 8. It says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs with six wings, with two two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king the lord almighty then one of the seraphs flew to me and with a live coal in his hand which he had taken with tongs from the altar with it he touched my mouth and said see this has touched your lips your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for then i heard the voice of the lord saying whom shall i send and who will go for us This is the Godhead in community, having a conversation together. Who shall we send? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am. Send me. 
Here I am. Send me. And then we're going to flick to Romans chapter 12 into the New Testament. I just want to read a couple of verses. It says this, Paul's writing, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And then just finally, in John's Gospel, chapter 4, just a couple of verses. We, we could read a little bit more. I'm just going to read a couple. John chapter 4, verse 23, we'll start at. We could have read from verse 21. It says this, Yet a time, this is Jesus, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. Oh my God, I pray. Just let us get hold of this today. Lord, I, I don't have words, but you do. I just pray that you would break our hearts with this. <laughs> That's Siri for you, excuse me. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I'm better talking to God than I am to Siri. There we go. Father, we just pray. Keep us in that place where we need to be this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, a few weeks ago, we, we saw, didn't we, that the most important thing about us as the people of God is the presence of God. That's the one thing that defines us above everything else. It's his presence living in us. It's being shaped by his presence. It's ministering from that place of knowing his presence upon us. And if that is the case, if, if we as the people of God are shaped and defined most by him being with us, we're, we're entering that season fairly soon where the word Emmanuel will get sung quite a lot. We'll talk about it quite a lot because it's God with us. But do you know, that is what defines us. God with us. And if you like, the greatest of, of expressions that we can bring to him being amongst us, is worship. If his presence defines us, our greatest response to that is worship. That's, that's the bottom line. And I want us to know right at the beginning that whether we thought this or not, worship is our highest calling as human beings. It's, it, it's true for us as Christians, but I want to say it's our highest calling as human beings. We are called to be worshippers. It's why we are alive. 
It's our assignment for all eternity. And it begins right here and now. There are very few things, actually, that we do here on earth that will get taken up into heaven. Yeah, there'll be memories of things that we've done. There'll be kind of crowns that we'll get as a response to the works and things that we get the privilege of doing here on earth. We'll see people that we have had the privilege of sharing the gospel with in heaven. That'll all be taken up into heaven. But in terms of activities, mission will stop in heaven. Doing works for the poor, giving out Christmas in a box. It won't be in heaven. As great as it is. But the one thing that we will always do is worship. And we get the privilege of learning about that right here and now. That's where it starts. Worship is what we were made to do and be. Worship is a human characteristic. I don't know whether... I know people talk about animals and things, doing all sorts of crazy things, and and they're very clever, aren't they? Many animals. But I don't see them having the same expression of worship as we get the privilege of doing. I I know they do. They bring their own things, I'm sure. But actually, as humans, we get this unique calling to worship God. And to worship means that we we give worth to something. The word itself, the English word, is is worth-ship. To bring worth, value, to declare that we treasure something above everything else. And the truth is this, we all worship. It's not a case of um, whether you are a worshipper or not. You are a worshipper, it's just what you worship or who you worship. So let me ask you a question. Do you know what you worship? Do you know what you treasure above everything else? Because that will tell you what you worship. And you know, many today will worship work, money, sex or sexual identity. That's such a big thing in our culture, isn't it? We define by these things and we worship by these things, actually. Our possessions. Some of us are worshippers of sport. And we're all very good at worshipping ourselves. Self-worship is a very popular pastime. You just have a look on Instagram and Snapchat. You can see it all around. And that's even true of those who say there is no God and wouldn't kind of hold to concepts of worship. Actually, they celebrate the great achievements of humanity, the mind, the body. It's just worship. It's worship of themselves. You see, it's a distortion, isn't it? It is a distortion because that's what idolatry is. Idolatry is misplaced and misappropriated worship. And, okay, this is kind of the bad news. We're kind of all idol worshippers in places. We've all committed idolatry. We've treasured other things before the living God. This is the great news. We do get the privilege of getting realigned up with the glory of God again and worshipping him and when the Holy Spirit is poured out he awakens our soul to see who is the most treasured one to see whom we were made for to see again what we were created for you were created to worship the living God 
You were created to give your life and yield yourself to him and to serve him with everything that you have. That's what you were made for. That is your purpose here on earth. That's our highest calling. And do you know, this is what I want us to get this morning. The Lord is reawakening us to understand that everything that we get to do has to come from this place of worship. You know, I, I, I was so pleased just hearing those notices today. Just Isn't it great? We get the privilege of just, you know, food and blessing and all the other things that we do that we haven't talked about this morning. But everything, 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 even the mission that we get to do has to come from being a worshipper. Let us not put worship as just one little department of many other departments that we get to do as followers of Jesus. Worship is the department out of which everything else flows. And if we can't get this church, then you know, I, I'm not knocking anything that we do, but worship has to be the starting point. Our response to the living God. That's what revival does. It awakens us to this again. We need to learn. This is a prophetic thing. Worship is the place from which it all flows in his presence. Church, if you're not in that place, that's the place the Lord is leading. Secondly, not only is it our highest calling, but worship is the constant response in every moment of life. It's the one thing that doesn't matter what is happening. The good, the bad, the ugly. God is worthy of praise. Now that is really hard for us to get sometimes. Because let's be honest, it's much easier when we're in a good mood. It's much easier when life is going great. It's much easier when blessing is flowing in. It's pretty awful when we're getting beaten or we lose people or there's things that happen in our lives that cause us to, to be shaken to the very core of our being when things are going wrong. That seems very much more difficult. But you know what? You see, worship doesn't start with us. It starts with him. And so what we get to do is that we get to lift our eyes to him. And worship is about disconnecting us from our own self-absorption and instead connecting and in connecting all that we are. So even the stuff that we're living through, the bad stuff as well as the good stuff, it connects with him. Do you know, I read that passage from Isaiah. There's so much about that. I, I, how much time we'll get to unpack it, I don't know. But what struck me this week is this. It starts with this verse. In the year that King Uzziah died. It's often a verse that's, that's kind of missed. People kind of see it as almost like a historical marker. It was, just, was telling the time when it, this all happened. That was a pretty horrendous thing. For Isaiah, it would have been a devastating thing. You can read about King Uzziah's life in, in 2 Chronicles 26. There's a beautiful account of his life. He was a great king on so many levels, but got himself into trouble by offering uncensored fire and un, un, un sort of sanctioned fire and he got leprosy, separated from the house of God. And, but he was a great king. You can read all about it. I'll let you read about it. But it would have been a devastating moment. But we find Isaiah in the temple worshipping the Lord. 
everything gets shaken. We read of David. You know, David is, King David is, is the guy in the Bible, isn't he, that kind of models to us worship on so many levels. And yet he's a, he's a man very sinful in places, <laughs> messes up big time, yet has a heart after God. And what I love about David is you read through the Psalms, Psalms in the good times, Psalms in the painful times, Psalms when he's messed up. He's the man who knows how to worship in every place. And church, worship is our constant. He's our constant. It's not worship, it's him. We need a high view of God. We need to see him for who he is. We need to tell him how great he is. We need to see the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we've sung about today in different ways. I mean, different words, different expressions of that, but we've sung about him, how great you are. You are are lifted high, the name above all names. We get that perspective. And what we recognise is this, that he's on the throne. He reigns and he rules. He's not lost the plot. He's not dropped the ball. He's not kind of taken his eye off us. He's got it covered. And worship connects us back with that truth. And we look at him and say, do you know what, Lord? I'm so grateful that you're ruling and reigning. So grateful that you're holding this. I'll tell you what, I am so grateful of that at the moment. I, I, I couldn't tell you personally what is happening right now in every place, but I just i am so grateful that he's reigning and ruling right now that we're living in his promises and what he has declared of his goodness. And you know, our creation and our being drawn into relationship with God is his supreme act of love towards us. Some people say, well, isn't God a bit of an egotistical maniac if he's just demanding worship? I mean, people telling him all the time how good he is. That's, That's a very, very wrong view of God. God doesn't need our worship. Let me just kind of put that straight. He's not in need of anything. You see, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are complete in themselves. They, they have perfect community, perfect love, perfect fulfillment. Everything they have is, is, is just there. But because they are in harmony of love, They overflow. That's how we got made. Because they wanted to express their love. And we got caught up in that. And wanted to have a people for himself. Wanted to have those that would share in this amazing community. In this amazing place of fellowship. This is what worship is about. We get caught up with that. It's it's actually about us getting taken into the throne room of heaven. It's about seeing the big purposes of God. It's about meeting him. It's not, if you just think it's about songs, think about coming to a service. You think about, it's even about doing good deeds. You know, some people kind of, good good deeds is their worship. Some it's, no, singing song. Look, great, great, great. He's greater. We get caught up with him. We get taken into the throne rooms of heaven. You know, I hear people say, well, when I get into the throne of heaven, I'm going to speak to God. No, you won't. You will be on your knees and you will say, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. (sighs) 
There's a, there's a passage, isn't there, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 where it says, be careful how you walk into the house of God. Let your words be few. But the privilege is this, we get caught up with him. And it's a constant. Thirdly, it just leads into the next thing, that worship is the highest expression of being children of God. You see, the reason that God adopted us into his family, as sons and daughters, the Holy Spirit set upon us and giving us, if you like, that Abba cry. We talked about this a few weeks ago, didn't we? We talked about the Abba cry. The, the, Dear Father, Papa, Daddy, Dad. The reason we get to do that is, is because he, he, he wants us to be close to him. And worship is our highest expression of being sons and daughters of the living God. I shared, didn't I, a few weeks ago that the Abba cry, that dear father, it says, it testifies that we are genuinely the children of God. But it's a cry of worship. It's a cry that says, Father, I'm, I'm, I'm yours and you're mine. And this is such a privilege for us. You see, we read in John chapter 4, we read that, that the Father, it says the Father, notice that, the Father is seeking worshippers. He's seeking worshippers. This is another thing. He's not just seeking worship. He's seeking worshippers. Men and women, boys and girls. People like little Zoe. <laughs> I love that. Who will... He will say, he's there. He touches me. He knows who I am. He catches us up with him. And to be sons and daughters of the living God, we have to understand that it's our right and our privilege to worship. And I would want to say this to you. To the degree that you make worship a priority in your life is, I guess, indicative of how much you've understood who you are as a son and a child of the living God. And if it's not a big deal to you, I would gently like to suggest to you there's much more for you to understand and enter into as a child of God. And I think there's an identity crisis of huge proportions in the church of Jesus Christ. We have lost sight of who we've been called to be. Worship is where we get it back. It says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When Jesus comes and rescues us, passage in Romans tells us, we get lifted, we get cleansed, we get restored, and guess what? We get pulled back into the, the, the place of his glory. We've fallen from his glory, but we now get lifted back into the presence of his glory. In worship. Now that might sound very mystical and mysterious, but I tell you what, start worshipping Jesus and you'll get what I'm talking about. You'll get what I'm talking about and it transforms who you are. So worship is the highest expression. We get, if you like, not just to be sons and daughters, but we get to be a priesthood of sons and daughters, a royal priesthood. You're a priest. 
Guess what priests do? They minister to the Lord. That's your first calling. You minister to him. I'm just learning so much about this. It's taken me 30 odd years of being a Christian just suddenly to start. Ding! Oh, I see it. It's awesome though. It's an awesome thing. And do you know what? It's no wonder when Isaiah saw the Lord, he said, woe to me, I'm ruined. (laughs) Because when we get hold of this, we recognise what a privilege it is that we even get to stand before him, covered in the righteousness of Jesus. And when we stand before him as worshippers, we stand just as Jesus stands. We're looked at just as Jesus is looked at. Do you know, when... You worship Nigel. I'm going to use you as an illustration. Jesus looks at you. The father looks at you. And he sees his perfect son. (laughs) When you worship, you... This is Jesus. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved son. He's perfect. You're a perfect worshipper. Because you're covered with Jesus. That's how he sees us. When we worship, when we truly get this, that's how he sees us. I screwed up this week. Yeah, yeah, okay. But you're covered in Jesus. Showy, stand up. You're a perfect worshipper. Because you're covered with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You've been released from all the stuff. You're now brought close to him in the throne room of God. When you worship and you get into that place that's where you are yeah isn't that good news that's awesome news awesome news but that's where we then start to get a bit more practical because worship worship starts in the heart okay so oh gosh time one day there'll be no time there we go Um, in John chapter 4 Jesus declares what God's true intention for worship is and it's not primarily about places or rituals or about styles or about how long we do various bits in the service for it's about the heart it's in spirit And in truth. And let me say this to you. And this is why I asked you a question at the beginning. Unless our heart is engaged in the sacrifice of worship, we haven't worshipped. We can bring all sorts of expressions of what we might associate with worship and still not worship. We can praise and still not worship. We can thank and still not worship. We can dance, we can bow, we can do Christmas in a box, whatever it is. And we still haven't worshipped until our heart has been inclined and engaged and turned and surrendered totally in that direction. And the place where that starts is by bringing a sacrifice from our heart. I, I, I've seen this for a number of weeks now, but 
I've just been reading through Psalm 100 a lot. And Psalm 100 is a great pattern of how we get, if you like, to get to this place of worship. And you, you can read it in your own time, but it, it talks about worshipping the Lord with gladness at the beginning. But then it goes on to say, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And actually what you realise in this, this psalm is that there's a, there's a journey into worship. And often it starts off, you come into the gates. The gates are the outer, the outer part, if you like, of where you, you connect with God. And you, you come with thanks. And I've seen this you know, in a fresh way. So you start by bringing thanks, declaring thanks. We did that a few weeks ago, didn't we? We had our Thanksgiving services where we, we declared the goodness of God and thanked him for the things that he's done. But we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We declare, we say, thank you, God, for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for all the things you've done in my life. We declare his wonderful acts, his mighty works. And then we come deeper. We enter the courts with praise. And what's praise? Well, praise is essentially focused upon the, the person of God, focused upon who he is, upon his nature, about what he does, his goodness, his holiness, all the beautiful attributes that we read about. And we, 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 we get into that place. And what we find is as we start to bring, if you like, a sacrifice, a choice to thank him and a choice to praise him, suddenly something changes and our heart gets caught up with it. Our heart surrenders to him and, and we are not just then bringing a sacrifice of these things. We are the sacrifice. And that's where the, the, the Psalm 100 and the Romans 12 link up. Because you see, when we start to think of all that we've received, the mercy of God, this is what Romans says, in view of God's mercy... Offer your bodies as living sacrifices. You see, many other places, you sacrifice to get mercy. That's the way that, it's a shorthand way of saying that's the way that others try and get close to God. We, in Christ, get mercy and then we get to sacrifice. Isn't that amazing? And that's what Psalm 100 kind of demonstrates, that as we kind of bring those, those first things, we then become the sacrifice. And that's what God wants in worship. You, the whole of you, all that you are. But it comes from the heart, first of all. And you come to be the sacrifice. That's worship. You surrender everything to him. That's what revival ignites. And then what happens, and I'm going to finish on this because we've run out of time. Then what happens is, all the other things that we get to express around this takes on a new meaning. So the beautiful songs that we get to sing, the great musicians that we kind of have to, to, to help us as we worship, we get to dance. And if, if you go through the whole of the Old Testament, there's so many expressions, aren't there? Shout for joy to the Lord. Come before him with dancing. Clap your hands. Bow down before him. Lay down before him. You know, play skillfully instruments. There's so many ways that you can do that. But that flows. It's the overflow of coming from the heart. And we're wanting to do all of that. But we're wanting to do all of it from that place of our hearts being utterly surrendered and utterly devoted 
to the God who gave it all for us. So I ask you a question again today. Have you worshipped? I'm not asking you whether you've sung songs. I'm not asking you whether you've had a good time. I'm not asking you whether you enjoyed the way that Felipe played or Sharma sang or Dots kind of sang or Fernando played the drums. You know, a small view of worship is this, that we, we can come away from it and we can say, I never got anything out of that. That's a sign that you haven't worshipped. Because actually, it doesn't matter whether the musicians are brilliant or absolutely rubbish. You can worship. And the choice that you make determines whether you've brought worship or not. And it's a sacrifice. And I, 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 that's where we're going, church. It's a sacrifice. And I, you know, I, I want us to get caught up with this. To get caught up with this way of living. Everything comes from this place. I've, I've learned this. And let me tell this story, because I, I will tell this story, because I think it's a helpful story. Some of you may know the song by Matt Redman, When the Music Fades. Have you, have you heard that song? When the music fades, all is stripped away. Did you know there's a story behind that song? And it goes back to when Matt Redman was at Soul Survivor with a guy called Mike Pilavacci. And, you know, great things had happened at Soul Survivor. But they went through a patch where, it, you know, they got fantastic sound system they've got you know world-class worship leader in someone like Matt Redman not bad songwriter he's written a few tunes knows knows his way around a guitar a little bit um, and it got to a point where they just it just felt like they were going through the motions and so Mike Pilavacci made this very brave decision he said right we're not going to have a sound system we're not going to have the drums we're not going to have the lights, we're not going to have the other bits and pieces. And um, we're just going to come. And we're just going to come and bring from our heart what's there. Boy, it was painful. There were times when there was that horrible silence, you know, the, the silence of church. I don't mean the silence in heaven, that's glorious. Silence in church is pretty awful sometimes. But Matt Redman wrote that song, When the Music Fades. And all is stripped away. And I simply come. Longing just to bring. Something that's of worth. That will please your heart. Or words to that effect. I'm coming back. To the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you. See we don't need anything else. But the great joy and blessing is. That when we get to that place. If we put the first thing as the first thing, we get all things. From that place, everything else flows. And I want to encourage us as we go on this journey. What the Holy Spirit is doing now is re-emphasizing the need for us, first of all, to be worshippers. I want you to stand, if you will. Can we just get our musicians back up on the boat? No, actually, we don't need them. But I'm really pleased that they're going to be there. We're very grateful for you, actually. Very grateful for you. Very grateful for you. I will give you all my worship.
I will give you all my praise. You alone I long to worship. You alone are worthy of my songs in your heart to him start singing to him start just letting your heart be inclined towards him again God we love you Father Son Holy Spirit we worship we bow down before you we we lay our lives again before you we declare that you are good we love you we love you we love your presence we ask you to break off us every limitation, every inhibition, every place that is not yielded to you. Holy Spirit, just come and blow on us again right now. Come and blow on us again. If, if you want to come and stand at the front, if you want to come and kneel at the front, whatever you want to do, just come and respond. If you feel in your spirit, you need to take a step. Let, don't let me... Um, describe what you need to do but you just come and make a step of worship a sacrifice if you want to come and be here just come and yield again you come and do that please don't be too cool for Jesus let him stir you Holy Spirit will you just releasing us right now a spirit of praise but more than that more than that release a people of worship a family utterly surrendered to you who so love your ways but love your ways because they love you we just come and we say here we are here we are to worship. Here we are to bow down. Here we are to say that you're our God. And from that place, Lord, I pray, just as you sent Isaiah, we pray that you'd send us into everything else that we get to do. God, will you, will you help us not to be so held back and restrained, but help us to be abandoned and utterly in, utterly for you, utterly with you. God forbid that we come to your party of worship and enjoy all the delights around, but never connect with you, the host. I want to pray, Lord, that we would come to your party of worship and that we would dance with you, that we would worship you, that we would sing to you, that we would connect with you, that you would touch us from that place 
in every way. And I want to encourage you, church. This isn't what we do on Sundays alone. Every day. You see, because we're wriggling sacrifices. And although we're living sacrifices, it means we, we wriggle a lot. And it means that we fall off the altar quite a lot. And the Lord wants us to get back on the altar and stay on the altar of sacrifice. And if you know that you've wriggled off recently, I just want to encourage you right now to say, Lord, every day I'm putting myself into that place of being a sacrifice and worshipping you. And don't hide behind time. It's not about the length. It's not even about how busy you are because you know what? We make space for what we want to make space for. Let Jesus come and bring you to that place of worship. Perhaps we can just sing that song that we sang earlier on. Just that whole... Guys, you know which one it is. <laughs> let's sing it. Let's, you want to come and let's be people together here as we do that? Then come and do that. We're going to finish with this. Praise the name of our Lord our God.